Thank you, Susan. And uh, I was inspired by the pastor that holds three-hour church services every Sunday. So hang on. Here we go, right? <laughs> you know, when you were a kid, or maybe even more recently, uh, you uh, played this game where it's you got a genie in the bottle, and the genie comes out, and you get three wishes, right? You've all played this game. It's kind of a fun game. It helps you get to know what people would really want out of life or in their life. And uh, when I was a kid, I always subverted the game by my first wish being that I wish for 99 more wishes. Kind of ruins it all and, and uh, messes it up. But it's, uh, it's an interesting game. Uh, this morning, I want to take a twist on that and uh, spiritualize it. And I would be curious to know if God were to grant you one thing and you were guaranteed that it would come to fulfillment, what would be the one thing that you would ask of God? It's an interesting question because, again, it helps us to realize in terms of our faith, in terms of our spirituality, what is most important to us. I have a feeling that if we were to ask that question and, and if I was to receive your responses, the number one answer uh, would be, like uh, Steve Harvey says on Family Feud, survey says number one answer would be that uh, a loved one would be saved. I have a feeling that uh, at the top of the list for many of us, it would be someone that we care deeply uh, would come to faith in Jesus Christ. For those of us that are believers this is our heart's desire. We hate the thought that someone that we, would, uh, that we know and care so much about would spend all eternity away from the Lord and, and, and away from us. Like that's on our heart's desires. And so this prayer for this week, we're going through this sermon series, Powerful Prayers. This prayer is going to be right in line with that. What I'm going to challenge you to do each day this week is 10 minutes a day to pray the save him or her prayer. Now, I recognize it would be much easier if I say save them prayer, but I put that in the singular because I'm going to challenge you to identify people individually, maybe a family member or a friend, someone that God has laid on your heart uh, to pray that God would work in their lives and bring them to salvation. In fact, I might challenge you right now at the start of this message to begin to identify those individuals. Who is a family member that you would want to be saved? Bring that person to your front of your mind right now and uh, whisper the name to yourself. Who is a friend that you would love to see come to faith in Jesus Christ? Who is someone that's just in your regular path of, of relationships at work or a neighbor or a friend, uh, but God is laying those, uh, that individual on your heart right now? Those three individuals, those will be the people that I encourage you to pray for every day by name this week. Pray that God would work in their hearts and bring them to salvation. But maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're like, you know what? I, I'm not in the position to pray for 
anyone else, what I need to pray for is I need to pray, not him or her, but I need to pray, uh, God, save me. Maybe you're at a place where spiritually you're wrestling with faith. And maybe you've tuned in to watch online this morning, or maybe you've joined us here in, the, in person. And where you're at this morning is you're weighing whether it, uh, you ought to give your life fully to Christ or not. Your prayer is, save me. You know, yesterday, Chelsea and I, we had someone over to the house to kind of give a bid on some work that we've been uh, thinking about doing on the house. And uh, we're like weighing this. The pros and the cons. Should we do this work on the house? The cars are old. They need to be replaced too. And we can't do everything, so we weigh the pros and the cons. If you're in the Save Me prayer boat this week, what I'm really encouraging you to do is weigh the pros and the cons. Would it be worth following God or not? There is a cost. To cost of coming to following Christ, it's, it's a big cost. There is uh, it, it means that you change the direction of your life and you live for different things. And so you're weighing the pros and the cons. Jesus taught this way in the scriptures. He said there was a man who was considering building a tower, but before he built, he needed to uh, assess how much work it would be and how much money it would be. And then he says, and there was a king who was uh, considering going to battle against his enemy. And first he gathered his troops and he considered uh, their ability and, the, and their ammunition. And he, set, and he tried to determine uh, whether he should go to war with his enemy. And he closes his teaching by saying, in the same way, those of you who would not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. In other words, Jesus is saying, count the cost. Is it worth it? Now for me, I will look at, uh, I will look at this uh, prayer and I will say, yes, it's worth it. It's the greatest thing that could ever happen in your life. You ought to give your life to God. It'll change you for the better in every way. And so, uh, but you've got to come to that conclusion yourself. Save me. Now, if you're with me and you've come to that conclusion, all right, the prayer for you and I is to pray, save him or her. To pray that God would work in the lives of our loved ones. Paul in Romans 10 prays this prayer. And this is our big verse for this week. You know, I hope you're hanging on to these bookmarks and using this to guide your prayers. The verse for this week, the save him or her, is Romans 10, verse 1. And in Romans 10, 1, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Now, for Paul, the Israelites were his family and friends. Paul grew up in the Jewish community. Uh, he was educated in the Jewish education system. His family and his friends were the Israelites. And you can sense uh, Paul's heart here. He says, My heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. And so we're adopting this into our lives this week. That God, that we would pray this type of prayer. God, uh, my heart's desire and prayer for my loved ones is that they may be saved. Let's commit this uh, message to the Lord. Father God, I recognize that this is a powerful prayer.
And uh, as much as we already know in our hearts that we should be praying this kind of a prayer regularly, uh, we can lose track of what's most important. And so I pray that as we look at your word this morning, you would come and you would speak to us and burden our hearts and help uh, and motivate us to pray to pray powerful prayers and to pray this week that our loved ones, those that we care so much about, we pray that you would motivate us to pray uh, for their salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, Romans 10, I read verse 1, but in, the fo- in verse 1 and the verses that follow, we find reasons to pray this prayer. And so I want to read Romans 10, 1 through 4. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. In these four verses, I find five reasons to pray the save him or her prayer. The first reason is that our hearts are burdened for our loved ones. You can get a sense of uh, the agony in Paul's words here when he says, My heart's desire for them is that they might be saved. That agony really comes out when Paul, what, in the verses uh, from the preceding chapter. In, in Romans 9, verses 2 through 4, Paul says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Great sorrow, unceasing anguish, for I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. You can almost picture Paul on his knees with tears streaming down his face as he prays for his own people, the people of Israel. These are, as I said, his family and friends. These are the people that he says something very remarkable here. These are the people that he would give his own life for. In fact, I think that Paul, I know Paul, would say that the greatest thing in his life is his relationship with Christ. The thing that excites him the most, that wakes him up in the morning, is, uh, is his own salvation. And he says something very remarkable here. He said, if I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ... It would be worth it for the sake of my own people. Now, Paul's not talking theologically here. That can't happen theologically. He's talking emotionally here. And I think many of you can relate to this. Because because the salvation of loved ones breaks your heart. You would give anything for your spouse or your child, your parent. Uh, your best friend, you'd, you'd give anything for them to be saved. And I have to admit, like, where this touches me most deeply is with my own kids. Like, uh, they're, they're showing evidences and signs of faith, but uh, every day I pray, God, uh, may they know you deeply as their 
uh, you as their Savior and Lord. And so this is our, our heart praise the save him or save her prayer because uh, we have a burdened for our loved ones. That's the first reason. The second reason I, I see here in the passage that we pray this prayer is because we trust in the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God is the belief that God possesses all power and that he is the ruler of all things and that he is ultimately in control. And we see this as Paul prays here, uh, the fact that he prays to God for their salvation. He understands that as much as he is an apostle and preaches the gospel, he cannot save anyone. It all uh, rests in the power of God, the work of God in someone's heart. He trusts in the sovereignty of God. Yesterday we cut the kids up to um, to uh, to the mountains to um, oh dang what's the what's the mountain close here by Mount Baldy yeah I'm sorry I don't know a brain freeze uh, we took the kids up to Mount Baldy and uh, we found the place where uh, we where you can go tubing and and sledding and uh, and especially Dawson he he wanted to go on the big tall uh, hills right and uh, and the the snow, people had gone down it before, so there's kind of a path worn in the snow. And you get up there, and he, and he gets on his sled, and uh, we get him positioned in the right way. And, uh, and he goes down, and he's following the path uh, left and right. And, uh, you, but there's a tendency, you can get off, and then, oh, man, you get, you get into the rough snow, and, and uh, you hit a bump, and you go tumbling all over the place. And uh, I'll admit, ah! Went down a few too many times myself, uh, but we had we had fun. But he, here's the point of that illustration: in the path, there is uh, there's a worn path. There's some guidance. So your sled is going to go here and there, based on the way that the path has been warned, worn. Worn. Uh, you cannot change anyone's heart. God has created each person with a free will. And I look at my own life, and, I, and I'm, I'm able to identify the day and the time where I gave my life to Christ. But from a different perspective, I step back now in hindsight, and I look at all the ways that God was at work to guide and direct me, putting people in my life, putting circumstances there. And so there's an earthly point of view, and there's a heavenly point of view. And it is with the heavenly point of view that we trust in the sovereignty of God, that God's going to work and direct it, uh, in our lives so, uh, or in the lives of our loved ones so that they might be moved to faith. The second reason why we pray this prayer is because we trust in the sovereignty of God. If I go back one chapter again in Romans nine sixteen, Paul says, It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. You see, we are dependent upon God's mercy. We trust in the sovereignty of God. The third reason that we pray this prayer is because people are blind to the truth. Do you recognize that in your loved one's life or maybe even in your own life? There's, there's a truth there, but you can't quite see it or grasp it. 
is uh, in in your own in uh, those that you are praying for. You long for them to just come to know the truth of God's salvation, but there seems to be a uh, spiritual blinders on. Paul said in this uh, in this passage in verse two, for I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. They're blind to the truth. Now, the Jewish people that Paul looks at in his day, they had great zealous, they had great zeal for God. They're attending synagogue. They're le- uh, learning the Hebrew scriptures. But you can sense in Paul's words that he just longs to reason with them, uh, saying, can't you guys see it? God has sent his son Jesus to be the Messiah. It's as plain as day. But they're blind to the truth. If we go all the way back to Romans 1, Paul said that people have the truth, but they suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, when we look around, uh, uh, around the world today, and we even think about those uh, people that are in, the, in our mind's eye right now, you might recognize that there is a lot of zeal People are pursuing all kinds of things with great passion. Think of the billions of dollars that are spent just on entertainment and pleasure every year. Uh, my, our kids are the age where there's lots of youth activities. I see uh, how parents devote so much time to the kids' education and, and uh, their extracurricular activities. There's tons of zeal, but sometimes I want to uh, reason with people Uh, in the same way that I imagine Paul reasoning with them. Don't you see there's so much more to life than just these things right around us. There's things that will last for a moment and there's things that will last for all eternity. Can't you see God all all at work around us in uh, in our everyday lives, in the lives of our family and our friends? Can't you just see we want to reason with them? And so that's the reason we pray. Because we recognize that people are blind from the truth to the truth. And we are praying that God would give them eyes to see. That God would impart that knowledge into their hearts. That they may turn to know Jesus. And maybe you are praying that for yourself this week. God, I know that I should live for you. I want my uh, life to matter for eternity. But it's hard. Save me, change my heart to want you more than I want all these other things. And so now that leads us to our fourth reason to pray this prayer. And that is that there are major obstacles to faith in Jesus Christ. Paul identifies the, the main obstacle for the those that he is praying for in these verses as a uh, he identifies the law as their obstacle to faith. For the Jews, the, obstac- uh, the law had become something that they looked to for their righteousness, their identity, their salvation. They looked to the law rather than the, to the lawgiver. And so they were, uh, and so this was a major obstacle to them uh, seeing their need to Jesus, for Jesus. What kind of obstacles to faith do the people that we are praying for have? We're praying that God would tear down those obstacles. Sometimes the the obstacle can be simply a person's own self-perceived righteousness. 
That's what I think Paul's saying here. The Jews thought themselves righteous because of their keeping of the law. And many people would say, I'm good enough. I don't need God in my life. I'm a fairly good person. I do uh, what is to be right. That's an obstacle to faith. Others uh, have obstacles that they've, they've somehow received uh, the information. They've, they've processed it and they've come to the understanding that God is not real or that he's not important enough for us to live for. It's an obstacle to faith. We live, under, we live in a culture that is under the spell of materialism. Materialism is so pervasive to us that uh, in our culture that it's hard for us to even get outside of our culture to recognize that these things will not last. But many people have become blind to spiritual things because they are so influenced by the fluorescent light of the material things all around us. Others have what C.S. Lewis calls the stream of experience. In other words, people are simply experiencing one experience after another, after another, seeking the, the, uh, seeking the pursuit of happiness, the highs in the midst of a life of lows. And this is an obstacle to faith. For others, the obstacle is a bad religious experience or something that someone has a Christian has said uh, or done to them that uh, has painted uh, th- people of faith in a bad light, or maybe it's their own pride, or maybe it's the thought of what others will think of them. But there are obstacles to faith, and what we are doing as we're praying is we're praying, God, tear down those obstacles. I heard the story of, uh, from uh, a woman by the name of Sarah recently. And as I heard her tell her story of coming to faith in Christ, I couldn't help but notice how many obstacles were in her life to believing in in Christ. Sarah was a beautiful young woman who had life by the horns, so to speak. She had gotten a good education. She was off in her career. There was so many things going for her. And in fact, that itself was an obstacle for her to see her need from God. And then Sarah grew up in in a Muslim family, a devoutly Muslim family. And so she knew that if she were ever to come to faith in Jesus, she would lose her family and they would turn against her. And, uh, and, uh, And then the fact that just life was going so well, she was not looking for God. A man uh, came up and asked her out for dinner, and uh, she wasn't sure if this was a date or just to get to know each other, but she thought the guy was cute, and so she agreed uh, to go out to dinner with this gentleman one night. And and he began to talk to her about Jesus. And uh, as uh, they're discussing these things, uh, she, she's delighted for him, saying, that's wonderful for you, not necessarily making a connection for herself. But then he said something that was uh, highly offensive to her. He began to talk about the exclusivity of Christ, that Jesus was the only way to the Father. 
And she uh, said that just that can't be. And so she left that night. Uh, she left that dinner that night, not so much wanting to date this guy as debate this guy. She wanted to refute everything that he had said about Jesus. And so she got a copy of the Christian scriptures, the Bible, and she began to read through the life of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And as she is uh, reading about Jesus, there is something that is quite intriguing about this man, this person of Jesus. There's something attractive and there's, there's a, a congruency to, to, this, to his teaching. And so she thinks, uh, I know I don't want to talk to my friend who I had dinner with because I know what he believes, but let me talk to my old college roommate because I think she began to explore Christianity herself. And I'll tell you, this is where I got tears in my eyes as Shara, as Sarah told her story. She calls up her old college roommate and begins to tell her the things that she's wrestling with in terms of Jesus. And uh, they talk on the phone for quite a while, and then uh, her old roommate, who lives halfway across the country, says, can we talk about this more tomorrow? And she said, oh, sure, yeah, it's getting late. Let's talk about it more tomorrow. The next morning, she receives a a call from her friend that says, can you come and pick me up at LAX? She went to the airport that night, caught a red eye, and flew there so that they could have a face-to-face conversation. And as they sat in the coffee shop, uh, her friend began to tell her things like what we see here in Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved and it wasn't in that coffee house meeting and it wasn't even uh, over the course of the next week or but it was in about a month's time Sarah eventually gave her life to Christ. And I was so inspired by that story because I saw so many obstacles to faith. And yet this woman, uh, uh, over the period of weeks and, and even months, eventually God worked in her heart. The sovereignty of God moved in her heart so that she gave her life to Christ. You see, that leads us to our last reason to pray this prayer and that is that no one is outside of the reach of Christ in the end of uh, chapter or I mean verse 4 of the verses that we read this morning it says that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes the saving arm of our heavenly father is infinitely long and he can reach anyone he can reach the person that is sitting in a jail cell and he can reach the person that lies beside you as you sleep at night no one is outside of the reach of God my prayer is that you will pray this prayer this week God save him save her or God save me but as you Uh, pray this prayer I'll just warn you as I've been praying this prayer for the last several months for 
three individuals in, in my life, I'll warn you that as you pray that prayer, that not only will you have a, uh, not only will your longing and your love increase for that person, but you'll want to be used by God to make a difference in that person's life. In a sense, you'll want to be part of God's answer to that prayer. Paul said in Colossians 4, verses 3 and 4, and think about this from the, Paul, that this is his prayer request for himself. He says, And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Okay, you may be even as you pray, you may be again to pray as Paul prayed that God would open doors for the message to be saved. Because as Romans 10 says, We'll go on to say, Romans 10, 15, it says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. At the beginning of this sermon, I uh, shared with you the silly idea of the, in the game of a genie in the bottle. And now let me come back to that, uh, that little illustration one more time from a different angle. What if God were to appear to you right now and say, I'm going to answer every prayer that you prayed last week every prayer that you prayed last week it's done it's finished it's answered you're good to go i'd be curious to know how many more people do we have in the kingdom of god today than we did last week in other words are you praying for people to come to faith in jesus christ i hope that this upcoming week you will 10 minutes a day, pray for people by name uh, that they would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Uh, Pray with all your heart, knowing that nothing is impossible for God. No one is outside of the reach of our Heavenly Father. Paul said, brothers and sisters, my my heart's desire and prayer for the Israelites is that they may be saved. And so this is what we're doing together this, this week. Brothers and sisters, our heart's desire and our prayer together to God is for our loved ones, that they may be saved. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we're inspired by uh, the words of Scripture that we have looked at this morning. And we uh, join our hearts together in uh, praying for our loved ones. Even now, right now in this moment, uh, we're going to quiet our hearts and uh, begin to pray the save him or save her prayer. And so I give you a moment just to pray for those individuals that you are thinking of right now, family members, friends, people that God is laying on your hearts. Let's go before the Lord in silent prayer. Father God, we lift up these individuals to you in Jesus' name. Amen.